Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ACC Now podcast. I'm Steve Wiseman, the Duke beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer, Durham Herald Sun, Charlotte Observer, McClatchy, North Carolina newspapers. I am joined today by Andrew Carter, uh, the esteemed Andrew Carter, my colleague, uh, uh, multiple award-winning journalist um, for the NNO, Charlotte Observer, Herald Sun, McClatchy. Andrew, how are you doing this fine uh, late spring day? Lovely. In fact, is it? I think it's it's technically summer. I think is it not? I don't know. I'm, I might be off. You're off a little because June 21st, I believe, is a summer solstice. If oh my, I put oh my, my goodness! My okay. science geek hat on. Uh, yeah, so we got a couple of weeks, but summer always well, gets here fast. So. This is this is why I come on the podcast to learn things from <laughs> from people smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we, we won't go into that too deep, but uh, yeah. So thank you for that, and uh, yeah, so. You know, here the summertime means we're in the off season for um, for college athletics. Although baseball is still going on, and uh, uh, some ACC teams, including North Carolina, were hosts for regionals this weekend. But for the most part, this is where uh, you know we get in the off season for football and basketball, and you know it's roster building time, it's team building time, it's uh, it's recruiting time, big time for that, uh, and really it's time for um, you know we look at. Uh, you know, kind of a bigger picture here with what's going on with college athletics. There's some major changes going on uh, in the industry for the last year or so here with when NIL came to effect almost a year ago. Now, July 1st is when uh, the NCAA finally, after being forced, uh, you know, uh, almost at, at gunpoint, I guess use that phrase, but uh, by the courts and by the state legislatures to, allow kids, uh, athletes to uh, profit off their name, image, likeness, marketing deals. Uh, that was never allowed before, and then it became that way. So now it's become, you know, a recruiting incentive, which uh, uh, which is not what the NCAA wanted, but that's what the free market has, has brought upon us. Um, there's probably going to be some changes coming with that. The NCAA is going through, you know, a constitutional crisis where they are, um, you know, rewriting their constitution, deciding how, how the governance of college sports going forward is going to be after, uh, you know, so many years of it coming out of at first Kansas city, now Indianapolis with the NCAA office. Um, so major things are happening in the college sports world. Andrew, you spent some time, you were in Amelia Island for the ACC meetings in May uh, with all the power brokers of the ACC and uh, wrote some really, yeah, really great stories uh, <laughs> Thank out you. of that. <laughs> um, so just kind of what, what what do you think is going on? Like, where is the state of college athletics right now? Uh, and, and, you know, where do you think we're probably kind of going? Well, you know, I think we're in just sort of a state of chaos. You know, you mentioned the July 1st uh, upcoming anniversary of, of the NIL thing coming into play and finally, you know, basically becoming allowed. And, you know, I think what you said about the NCAA more or less being forced at gunpoint is a good way to put it. You know, the NCAA had fought that and other incremental changes for years and years and years, as you know, and, and tried to argue uh, in various court cases that any kind of athlete compensation that, you know, that even compensation related to, you know, your GPA uh, mm-hmm. and, and academic incentives, which is really what the Austin case was all about. Uh, even something like that, you know, should not be allowed. And so, you know, finally, the NCAA really had no choice but to allow this. And, and you know, it was sort of the thing that, you know, that 
they implemented this, you know, at the time it was supposed to be kind of this, um, you know, provisional plan, if you will, or sort of like a, not a trial run necessarily, but we're going to put this in and we're going to try to figure it out as we go and come up with more of a firm framework surrounding it. Um, and yeah, like it's just resulted in exactly what, <laughs> what, what the NCAA did not want. Um, but yet at the same time, it's so predictable. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, you know, who didn't see this sort of thing uh, transpiring in the world of NIL, uh, except for everybody. Everybody saw it coming. <laughs> we, we, we all saw this coming because, yeah, there's, there's no real rules. There's no real uh, enforcement mechanism. And, you know, of course, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the kind of thing where it becomes a recruiting uh, inducement type situation, you know, where you have boosters being involved, you have different schools trying to come up with these, uh, you know, these different organizations, these collectives uh, that basically, you know, let's, let's face it, they basically allow schools to pay athletes. And, you know, I don't think anyone would disagree at this point. I mean, maybe some people would disagree if you're just kind of stuck in the past or, or have your head buried in the sand, uh, but athletes should be compensated you know this is a billion dollar business major college athletics is the tv money is insane uh it's only become more so over the past 10 or 15 years you know you look at the coaches salaries you look at how much schools are spending on facilities etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, obviously you know athletes need to be compensated in some shape or form and so I, you know i think most leaders throughout college athletics get that you know, Jim Phillips you know, basically said, hey, you know, we understand that. The courts have pretty much laid out clearly what the deal is these days. We're not going backwards. That was pretty much the mantra for most of the coaches and ADs down on Amelia Island, Mike Bray, which, you know, which I wrote about what he said in a couple of different stories, you know, basically imploring his colleagues who have been slow to adapt to, to get on the train or, you know, or kind of figure out something else to do yeah. with their lives. You know, so there is an acceptance that, you know, these kids and these athletes who are part of this enterprise deserve a cut of it. You know, they deserve money. Um, but yet at the same time, there's just a lot of bemoaning the reality of, of just the, uh, you know, free for all nature of it all. The lack of regulation, the lack of understanding uh, what the true market value is of an NIL deal, the lack of enforcement. When I was down on Amelia Island that first day of ACC meetings, uh, you know, that Monday afternoon where people are just starting to get into town, the NCAA put out this, you know, kind of ham-handed statement that really, you know, it was kind of word salad, didn't really say a whole lot, but basically said, this is something we care about in terms of the booster involvement in the NIL world. We're going to try to enforce it in egregious cases. You know, we're going to open up investigations. I mean, my question with that is like, how, you know, how would it be possible for the NCAA really to devote resources to that? Its enforcement staff is relatively small. We're still waiting, you know, four or five years later on the outcome of some of these, uh, you know, pay for play schemes with the basketball, the Adidas cases from years ago, yeah. some schools still waiting uh, <laughs> on the outcome of that. NC state just learned its fate with that case. Not too long ago. There's still several other high profile schools that have not, um, you know, including so when they the, talk the national champion by yeah, including there. Kansas, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so when they talk about oh, we want to get ahead of this and figure out a way to 
you know, control things and, and enforce the rules. Like, honestly, how do they go about doing that? Uh, and I think there's a sense of resignation among a lot of folks, ADs, coaches, that it's just not going to happen. And that, you know, we're just in this kind of world where the schools are bidding for top talent, which, you know, <laughs> the, the most cynical of us might ask, how is that any different from how it always has been? Um, and yet, you know, it, it, it has taken things up a different degree that has been unintended. And I do think most people would, would favor some sort of guardrails mm-hmm. um, and, and just sort of, you know, some sort of mechanism to be put in place just to kind of, you know, get this under control a bit while still allowing athletes to make money. It's brought things more more above board than than below the table, right? That used to be. I mean, there's still obviously a lot of stuff that's going on below the table, but but uh, sure. uh, yeah, it, it has brought it up. And, and one thing I think is funny is, uh, um, you know, the for years the NCAA knew they were going to have to to build a boat to get in the race down the river, and they chose not to build it. They chose to enter the race and build the boat as they're going along, you know, floating down the river, and so. Right. <laughs> That makes it difficult. And, but what you said also about, um, you know, some coaches, a lot of coaches, and, and I think Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski is among them, who realizes that this isn't working anymore. We've got to think about this completely different than we ever have before and not think about going backwards in time and controlling who gets paid what and all that kind of stuff. It's more, um, okay, this is happening. Austin's happening. NIL is happening. At some point, uh, they, the athletes may be declared employees. That's a, that's a good possibility, right? The way the courts are, are ruling, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're, that, we're there within five years, maybe even sooner. But, um, and so uh, now it's a matter of, okay, this is where we are. How, how, is, how are college athletics going to survive and still be the, the entity that they are to help not only the kids at the top that are going to on their way to pro basketball or pro sports and whatever to make millions there, but, you know, kids that want to come, uh, play football at Duke that aren't going to be NFL players, but want to get their degree from Duke and they want to use their scholarship money and make whatever money they can while they're there. There's, there's a need for that. There's a need for, you know, women's soccer players at Wichita state, you know, to, 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 to be able to continue to do what they do and have college sports service uh, their needs the, the way they need to be done in, in a fair and equitable way. So, uh, that's again, that's where we are. There's a yeah. lot of things to think about there, aren't there? No, yeah, you know, you're exactly right. I think, you know, you nailed it in terms of some of those non-revenue sports, the, you know, the women's soccers, the volleyballs, the track and fields. I mean, you know, when we talk about college sports, I think there's this tendency to focus on, you know, the most visible sports, obviously football, men's basketball, even women's basketball, baseball, you know, with the NCAA tournament going on right now, but, you know, it's a whole enterprise beyond that. You know, a school like UNC almost sponsors 30 sports. Uh, the ACC as a conference sponsors the most sports uh, of any power five. Well, really, it's a power two. Uh, yeah. These yeah. these these days, you know, conference. And, you know, so that's a great question. Uh, and there's not a great answer for that. I, you know, I think there's some real concern about if you go toward this employee model and, and athletes are employees of a school. You know, some schools are going to be able to handle that financially a lot, a lot better than others. You know, there's mm-hmm. going to be some schools that might have to make a decision about, you know, is this the road we want to continue to go down? You know, I think about 
the University of Chicago way back in the day. Uh, I think, you know, whenever it was the 1930s, I think might have been the 40s where the administrators there were basically like, you know what, we, you know, even back then, uh, we see where college athletics is headed. I think they're a part of the Big Ten. No, thanks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they pretty much, yeah, we're done. And, you know, I wonder whether you're going to see some of that, uh, you know, going forward, you know, certainly not, you know, some of these huge schools and not necessarily the SEC schools, or I do wonder about a Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. frankly. Uh, yeah. And I, and I wonder about the Dukes, the Wake Forest, a little, you know, a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller alumni bases, not to say that those schools don't have great resources. Um, but I wonder about some of the schools, especially in a football first environment where everything is so centered on football revenue, eyeballs, uh, that kind of thing. And especially if football separates, you know, right. what's going to, you know, what, what happens uh, to the ACC in that case? You look at the TV money, uh, and I might be getting a little bit off track, but, you know, the TV money was something that came up a lot during the ACC spring meetings in terms of the imbalance uh, in revenue that the ACC is facing with its rival conferences. You know, the ACC is a financial hole, is in a financial hole compared to the SEC and Big Ten now. Uh, you know, it's pretty significant. It's several hundred million dollars wide. Uh, but remember, the ACC's television contract and John Swafford had a good reason to do it this way. But it, it, you know, it goes through the mid 2030s. Yeah. There's more than a, there's more than a decade left on that deal. While in the meantime, the SEC and Big Ten, uh, both of which already make a lot more TV money than the ACC, both of those conferences are getting ready to renegotiate those deals and enter into new ones are going to, that are going to make them, you know, even wealthier. And there's going to be this huge divide. You know, I referenced the power two mm-hmm. moments ago and, and you wonder, you know, how do ACC schools compete? Uh, is a Clemson content to, to live in that world? Is a Florida state content to live in a conference set, uh, you know, in which it's making half as much as the average big 10 school. You know, I wonder, you know, there's some major fissures, I think, and you know the ACC is kind of locked in with this grant of rights thing for the next ten or so years. Um, but wouldn't surprise me at all to see a more major conference realignment, especially if football breaks off and becomes its own kind of independent entity, which raises a whole lot of other questions going forward too. Yeah, and, and again, to reference you know my conversation with Coach K, but I mean it's it's very obvious that football does need to lead the way here they're the ones with all the financial muscle um uh, they already have uh their the football bowl subdivision is 120 schools 130 whatever the number is now in that in that range and um whereas you know all the other sports are 300 and some schools that play those things right so you got a, a wider disparity of the haves and the have-nots and you have it Absolutely. within football bowl subdivision too right you've got smaller you know the Mac schools in the Sun Belt, they don't have the money that Southeastern Conference does. But, but anyway, but at least you got a smaller group there. And, and, um, you know, I think that's probably the first thing that's going to fall is that, that football, I mean, they already don't operate under the NCAA umbrella when it comes to their championships, their TV contracts and all that. It's the college football playoff, right? So, uh, Correct. they're, they're already kind of separate. And so, uh, basketball is the next best thing, next highest thing in financial, you know, revenue, uh, needs to kind of hitch to that and, and say, okay, we're going to go off and do this. And that's one thing I've thought maybe 
maybe this is how it has to be. And, and again, Coach K mentioned part of this, but different sports need to be governed by different organizations, not just the NCAA trying to manage all these sports and all these different athletes at all these different levels of schools and, 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 and as he called it, neighborhoods, but, you know, uh, financial resources being put their way. Um, you know, maybe like the U S field hockey association needs to handle college field hockey, maybe, you know, uh, uh soccer organization, you know, the, the amateur soccer association or whatever it may be, uh, or U S Olympic committee, you know, uh, for soccer or these sports needs, needs to, kind of govern these other sports but you know basketball and football are in a different area than those other sports are because of the of the tv money that comes in right so they're absolutely they have they have like needs that those sports don't need so the one size fit all thing doesn't work anymore that's why again (laughs) coach k in my story today mentioned he compared the ncaa model to eight track tapes or kodak instant cameras that was good absolutely (laughs) yeah there's no question he is and you know, and, and Kay has been on kind of this crusade, uh, you know, kind of maybe under the radar more so in, in, in recent years. But now I think he, you know, obviously he's retired and I think he feels a little bit more freedom to, to comment on some of this stuff. But he's been pushing for a long time. You know, even years ago, I remember him talking about the need for a college basketball commissioner, mm-hmm. you know, somebody really in charge uh, of that one particular sport, offering guidance and leadership and you know, helping schools and coaches and ADs and really, and really the entire enterprise navigate these different challenges because the challenges that college basketball faces as an industry are different than what football faces and what baseball and some of these other sports face. And, and you're right, there's really been not much leadership uh, across the board. Um, Mark Emmert, you know, we can say a lot about the job that he's done, but, you know, my criticism when it comes to all things NCAA related is that the NCAA, it, you know, it, it is the schools and, you know, that the schools I think should have figured out a way long ago to come up with a better governance structure. Um, you know, and the whole NIL thing to me really, uh, you know, it just embodies how this has been run forever, just sort of ignoring a problem, pretending it might go away, hoping it might go away, all of a sudden, hey, it doesn't go away. Then you have to deal with it. Then you don't really have a plan to deal with it. It's here. Now you're scrambling to try to figure out what to do. You know, that's become very evident with the NIL conversation, but really it speaks to just how this whole enterprise has been run for decades and decades. Like, you know, they have not solved one problem ever. Yeah, you know, I think about like, the Condoleezza Rice Commission related to college basketball that I think came out in 2017. You know, yeah, made, it was, made it all was these... after it was after the FBI thing. Was it? And what? And, what, and yeah. like right. And so, whatever really came of that, it was this thing that you know Condoleezza got together with these other powerful people, and I guess they met up at probably a nice hotel similar to the Ritz, yeah. uh, where I was hanging out in the hallway in Amelia <laughs> Island. And, you know, they had some nice coffee and some good snacks and sat around and talked and talked and came up with ideas. But, you know, what really changed? Uh, I, I can't think of anything that changed. I know they came up with some recommendations, yeah, um, but I can't think of any sort of concrete uh, change that was implemented after that. And so, you know, really, 
you know, the entire enterprise of college athletics, in my opinion, and it's not a controversial one, has been just sort of like a train running down a hill sort of without a conductor, mm. um, you know, and it's just kind of run off track here to a degree. And, you know, I have some serious doubts just about whether it can ever kind of get back on track or if it's too late or, or, you know, in regards to the big money thing, TV contracts, realignment, football separating, the SEC talking about doing, you know, maybe its own playoff. Uh, you know, I mean, I wonder if just the whole thing is just going to become so big and just so money hungry, it's just going to eat itself and, and does it survive? Um, and that's decades away from happening probably, but, but I wonder. No, things, things <laughs> seem to speed up and happen faster than you think when it comes to that, you know, like, uh, I mean, uh, Greg Sankey at the SEC, I think has a vision for where he wants this to go. And, and he did, you know, he added Texas and Oklahoma. He's got 16 schools now. I mean, you know, cause they, they know what they're doing. They know where they're heading. They know that football's the king. It's always been the king in that league. Um, I mean, you think back to the early nineties, you covered Florida state. You probably know this better than I do, but I know you weren't there then, but like, if you look back at the articles, when Florida state joined the ACC and people were like, Oh, you know, football's not as good there. And they're like, yeah, but basketball's so good. We'll make up enough money in basketball to make up for not being the sec in football or whatever. Like what the heck? I mean, correct <laughs> nonsense, right? right? <laughs> it's right. Cra I mean, totally. Yeah. Just crazy. Uh, <laughs> and anything too, like back in the day, like, and I just referenced this in a recent story I did, but up until about, Oh, I don't know. Two, probably 2000, 0102 in that range. You know, the ACC's basketball television contract was the most lucrative college sports property in the country. Yeah. Um, back then, you, you know, you think about like just the radical flip since then. You know, now, you know, this is you know, it's not public and it's not necessarily gettable. But from talking to people behind the scenes, as I understand it. Uh, football basically drives 80% yeah. of the ACC's television revenue uh, at this point. So basketball, the value of it in terms of the TV property has just gone in, in the tank relative to football. And so here we are, you know, 20, 30 years, I, well, I guess this would be, this is the 30th anniversary uh, of Florida State joining the ACC. They joined in 1992. Right. Um, and the entire landscape has just flipped. Like it would, it would be insane if Florida State were in this position uh, today to think, oh, well, you know, we're going to join the ACC because it seems more stable because of that basketball television contract. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's insane to think about that ever being the case. Right. Um, but it was. And so the ACC faces a lot of pressure to, you know, improve its football product. And Jim Phillips has emphasized that, has repeated himself again and again. You know, the league has to get better at football. It has to be the 24-7 priority. Um, but what can they do? I mean, outside of adding Notre Dame, which is not going to happen, uh, there's really nothing that the ACC can do uh, that really jumps out at you, at least that would, that would move the needle financially. You know, at least, at least not in the years to come because they're locked into that TV deal again through the mid 2030s. Yeah. I mean, they need to you know, bring in Amazon or Netflix or something like that, like to stream games or have, you know, have that kind of a package, which is where, or Apple TV, right. Where everybody's going. Eventually that that's going to be a home of, of a lot of sports. I think uh, just like yeah, for movies and TV shows. Uh, 
but the ACC can't do that without breaking their contract. And right. if they break their contract or do a new contract, that grant of rights thing will be up in the air again, right? So you've got um, that concern. And it's, it's like, you know, Swafford was kind of trying to rock at a hard place. Like the only way, if he hadn't done the grant of rights thing, the league wouldn't be together right now. I mean, that's probably, probably, yeah, probably so, not. And he was thinking back then that a long term deal, yeah, long term deal is in the league's best interest because it locks schools into the conference and, uh, you know, it sort of provides the stability. Uh, you know, he was just trying to, you know, make sure the ACC saw another day yeah. back, in the, back in the early 2010s because you know, we're, we're approaching the 10 year anniversary. It was 2012, that fall, when Maryland announced its intention to leave the ACC yep. and go to the Big Ten. And that came amid all those rumors, of course, back in the day of Florida State, Clemson, maybe going to the Big 12. Uh, you know, there were some rumblings even about UNC. That was early in my tenure covering UNC, but there was rumblings about it was the Big Ten yeah. interested in Carolina and Virginia. And you're hearing a little bit of that chatter kind of resurface and who knows how legitimate it is, but certainly, you know, I'm, I'm sure those schools would be listening. Yeah. You know, that, that, that they would have to. At the time. And again, going to, going back just 10 years, I remember I was on the Duke beat at the time and they were worried about being left out. Like uh, if they need to, do they need to attach themselves to Carolina to, to can they, should they go to the big 10 or seek big 10 in admission if Carolina went because of the rivalry? Um, or, you know, or would the, would the big 10 say Duke football is not anywhere near what we want it to be. So we're not going to bring you in, you know, you're good basketball. Great. But football's what matters and you're not there. And that was early in Cutcliffe's tenure. He was starting to get it going. But the point was even, even then, I mean, Duke football, you know, matching what the big 10 was looking for, wasn't it. Right. So, um, they, they were legitimately concerned, like what's going to, you know, what's going to happen to us. That's what everybody was saying at the time. So we may be facing those questions again. Uh, yeah, and, that, and that's the know. question too. And, and it's like, you know, people, ACC uh, football fans, especially, and really I'm, I'm more talking about Florida State fans, Clemson fans, Miami fans to a degree. And, you know, I feel qualified to, to comment on this given I covered FSU. I lived in Florida uh, for a while. So I feel, especially when it comes to that fan base, I have a good read on it. But folks, <laughs> of those three schools love to complain about sort of the ACC's emphasis on football, the ACC's television revenue situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hey, the ACC would probably be in better shape if in the early 2010s, they had had a better product to sell, you know, Florida state went through this decline in the yep. late two thousands toward the end of the Bobby Bowden era, where they were pretty much a seven and 16 for you know, four or five years running, interest decline. They weren't that much of an attractive brand as they had been in the 90s at that point. Miami has not been, you know, quote unquote, the U since, since when? Like the Frank Gore team, like going back to, to 2001, 2002 with Ken yeah. Dorsey and all those guys. Like, yeah. you know, it's been, it's been coming up on 20 years since Miami was, was that good. Miami and Florida State, They've never played still for an <laughs> ACC football championship. Um, you know, Clemson obviously has carried its weight over the past decade, but sure. you know, the league is sort of in the state that it is because the, the schools and the football teams that it needed to be successful were not. 
and that, Virginia, you know, Virginia Tech fell off, you know, right? And, like, you know, and, and that's not John Swafford's fault. Um, that's not the fault of anyone sitting in the offices in Greensboro. Like, you know, the ACC had schools that had they been what they were, you know, financially the league would be in a better spot right. at this point. And so, you know, I think some of this grumbling is unfounded. That's one point. Then the other part, too, is like, you know, most of the ACC schools outside of probably Clemson, maybe Florida State when they're good, maybe Miami when they're good and nationally relevant, Virginia Tech, um, but not even UNC has that national or even regional football draw in terms of television eyeballs. Uh, you know, the SEC is full of schools that are the biggest deals in their states, you know, yeah. I mean, Georgia, Georgia football throughout Georgia, Florida. I mean, Florida is a much bigger draw in the state of Florida than any other Florida school. Alabama, Auburn, obviously, Tennessee, LSU. Mississippi. Right. I mean, these are ah. huge. Yeah, these are Oklahoma huge now, you know. <laughs> yeah. And like the ACC comparatively just <laughs> they don't have that. Like they don't have that kind of audience. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's just that's the reality. And same thing with the Big Ten. You know, you're talking about huge state schools with huge alumni bases that had this regional pull uh, throughout their locations. The ACC just does not have a comparable situation. And so that hurts the league, too. I mean, the ACC needs its football powers to be really good. Um, uh, you know, otherwise, we're just going to be in trouble. Um, and that's kind of just why they are where they are these days, financially speaking. Right, so that when the next when the next wave of change comes, well, is where it's happening right now. But you talked about the last wave, the, the wave of realignment. At that point, uh, you know, we we were not too many years off of like Wake and Georgia Tech playing for the championship. Yeah, and, and like, and that's that's <laughs> neat, and that's neat and cool and good story and stuff like that. But it's like that. I mean, frankly, from let's be honest, like from a business point of view, that kills you. Right. Uh, it, you know, it just does. And I know fans of those schools out there don't want to hear that or might take issue with it. Um, but I remember being in the press box in Jacksonville for the second ACC championship game in 2006. And I want to say, yeah, I want to say it was Georgia Tech Wake. And I want to say it was like a nine to six game. Yes. The winning touchdowns. Right. Yeah. Right. Wake one, I think nine to six, if I remember correctly. And like, you know, John Swafford was walking around the press box in Jacksonville, just like looking like somebody had like kicked his dog, you know, the, the entire game, like just looked miserable because he knew it's like, you know, like, all right, this is year two of the ACC championship game. I guess I can grit my teeth and, and kind of suffer through this because I know we're going to get that Florida state Miami game soon. Yeah. And it's, it's going to lead to big time television bucks. Uh, and yeah, still we're waiting on that. It's never happened. Yeah, meanwhile, <laughs> down the road, like, you know, Alabama's playing Florida, uh, you know, on the two top right. 10 teams or whatever, you know, <laughs> In the Georgia Dome. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So like that run <laughs> of parody that the league had, I mean, it was fun. And you know, you talked about coastal chaos and yeah. every team in the coastal winning the coastal uh, at least once over the past decade. Like that's pretty neat and fun and zany and all that stuff. But, you know, financially it's been bad uh, <laughs> for the conference. It's been, it, you know, it's been interesting from a fan point of view. 
Um, you know, and people complain about the same old teams in the college football playoff or Alabama's domination, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the SEC has had this national takeover, if you will, thanks to their big time schools, play, you know, performing in a big time way yeah. and doing it again and again. And, and the ACC outside of Clemson has just not had that. And uh, and that's that's where it is. That's why football is going to lead this thing going forward. And you know, we talked about thirty years ago. Um, you know, the ba- basketball was ahead of football, right? And but now it's flipped completely. In thirty years from now, <laughs> is there I'll anything wait. that can supplant football? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know so. soccer is growing, but come on, it's not going to do that. And uh, and so you know, esports. There you go. Maybe that's where, go. maybe that's where the ACC needs to have its niche. They need to get in business with uh, Epic Games here and Carry and Fortnite and all that. Right? You know, I think I honestly <laughs> think the future is going to be cheese rolling. You know, NC <laughs> NC State uh, just yeah, NC State grad run won the cheese rolling race over in Europe. Uh, you know, it's a big deal. People were very excited about it on social media. I saw, and I, you know, I think yeah. that's the next. I think that's the next big thing. They need to bring cheese rolling to the U.S., I mean, carve out some primetime uh, programming on the ACC network. And the game it, here. Yeah. Jim Phillips, I just solved all your problems. There you go. NC State's on the, the vanguard. They're leading the way. They're leading Pass the way. fishing and cheese rolling. <laughs> yeah, those are – hang a banner. <laughs> do it. <laughs> they, they would love to do it. They need to. So <laughs> They anyway. do. <laughs> Well, Andrew, this has been a fun conversation. I appreciate you uh, uh, sharing your insights on this from your experiences covering college sports for so long. I've tried to plug away at myself in this business for a long time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot more changes to come. And uh, coming up on the one-year anniversary of NIL, I know uh, here at the paper we're doing a lot of work on, on that, some commemorative-type things about kind of where we are in that world and where we're going with that. And There's more changes to come there, too. So, um we will have full coverage of that uh, at newsobserver.com, heraldsun.com, Charlotte Observer, uh, all over the McClatchy uh, network, if you will. And uh, we'll be talking about more here on the ACC Now podcast uh, in, a few, in future editions for sure. Andrew, enjoy uh, late spring as we approach the summer solstice in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I will indeed. Yes, sir. Thank, 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 thank you for schooling me, and thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed the uh, the talk as always. So yes, thanks sir. so much. All right, that takes care of this week's decision of the ACC Now podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. <laughs>